Hi everyone, we are on episode four of season six of the Practical Protection Podcast and I have Matt Ram back with me. Hi Matt. Good morning Catherine, how are you? You keeping well? I am, thank you. I'm doing well. I know we're going to be slightly out of time sequence-wise, but I'm just getting over my second bout of COVID. And mm-hmm. um, and I went outside for the first time in a week uh, yesterday and took a, took my little fudge out for a walk, which was a very lovely. Started seeing some of the uh, darker nights and the lights coming on as I was walking around the town. So it was lovely. And how are you doing? Yes, not too not too bad at all. It'd be nice and about. We, uh, we managed to get to Grand Canaria for nice. a week and... Um, Believe it or not, the first four days it rained continuously. Oh, not so nice. And the uh, the, the the place that we were at, um, it, it gets three days apparently it gets three days a uh, rain a year. Oh so wow! So of course they're not geared up to it at all. And the place right. was flooded. The the, oh. the the hotel was leaking. Um, oh. And the the only full day of sunshine that we had eventually was the last day we were there. Oh, that, no. that said, we had a great time. Oh, that's good. That's the main thing. Still a good thing. We talked an awful lot, which can't be a bad thing. No, absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking talking lots and playing cards. It just feels like a thing you need to do. You're playing it, cards as well on holiday. Life was that simple, eh? But <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, it was it was very good. Thank you very much indeed. Fantastic. Well, today, everybody, we're going to be talking about high cholesterol and what it can mean if you are looking for protection insurance. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So I'm going to do the usual where I give a little bit of background about high cholesterol and then Matt's going to be giving us lots of insights in terms of the insurance and the underwriter side of things. So high cholesterol is essentially when you have too much of a fatty substance in your blood. So this could be a number of different reasons. It could be through having too much fatty food. It could be lack of exercise, smoking, drinking alcohol, uh, being overweight. And there's also sometimes as well where it can be kind of a bit of a genetic predisposition to having high cholesterol. There can be some quite significant health complications from cholesterol. And one of the difficulties from it is that there's no symptoms for the high cholesterol. So it's it only comes from a, a test that you can do. And so there could be many, many people wandering around with high cholesterol, no symptoms, and absolutely none the wiser. Um, it also, to sorry, add even more confusion to matters, is that there is good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. So good cholesterol is stuff that um, it kind of grabs hold of the bad cholesterol, um, taking it to the liver to be broken down. And with the bad cholesterol, that's what's leading to too much fat um, in the arteries, getting clogged up, and it can be make other things as well quite bad as well known as the triglycerides and this will all lead to sort of certain conditions or higher risk of conditions that me and Matt will be chatting through but as an advisor especially if you hear somebody mention that they've got high cholesterol they might also say something like atherosclerosis or they might say atherosclerosis instead of high cholesterol um, but essentially that is where it's really starting to build up around the artery walls and restricting the blood flow. Um, and what I said is, you know, with cholesterol, you do usually get a test. So one of the things that I have with my insurance is my protection insurance is each year I get a bit of like a mini health MOT. And so I have things that like check my um, high cholesterol and other parts of my 
body as well, like urine samples and everything, um, just as a, a yearly checkup, which is really, really good. So I do recommend um, suggesting that you have a look at your own insurances. And, and if something like that is available with the insurances that you're recommending to clients to make sure that they're aware of things like that as well. So, Matt, I suppose that the key thing from the start then is to, and probably some of the things I've said have, have led to an answer about it, but why is it that insurers want to know about things like high cholesterol? Okay, Catherine, uh, many thanks for that. I just wanted to pick up on one point um, regarding the people, um, uh, the, the fact that some people will not know that they have high cholesterol. Um, and you talked about um, a physical uh, side of it. Now, when I was a much younger underwriter than I am today, um, there was something called Arcus senilis. Okay. You know, effectively, that was a, a grey ring around the pupil of the eye. Ooh. And doctors, medical examiners, used to look out for that as a possible sign or a sign that somebody has got um suffered from raised cholesterol for a long period of time well, that's interesting now, when i was um yeah as as i always do i i have a little read around um prior to these podcasts to make sure i'm up to date in my thinking and i couldn't uh, i couldn't see it um without actually looking it up directly i couldn't actually see it mentioned in any article at all so yeah. It, whether it's been dismissed or not, but uh, I don't know. But certainly that was something that was um, was around a good number of years ago now. That's um, really interesting. Either, either way, um, you, you're absolutely right. And maybe to answer your question, um, yeah, uh, cholesterol is is certainly a uh, an important risk factor um, in in the buildup of uh, fats. Uh, within the uh, in and uh, on the artery walls and the arteries can get clogged up um, by fatty substances uh, often known as plaques you may hear that banded around or atheroma um, it's probably more more the technical world so this is the, the fatty goo that builds up in your arteries and it's, it's no surprise that it increases the risk of heart and circulatory disease and you you will probably uh, you will guess that that type of thing can lead to heart attack, stroke, and also vascular dementia as well, um, okay. which, is a, which is a very sad disease. But um, it, it, it raised cholesterol and raised triglycerides are a, a significant risk factor in those areas. Now, I'll just you've already talked about risk factors and so on and so forth um, around uh, the development of atherosclerosis, but I'll, I will repeat these for a reason, which will probably come out a little bit later in our chat. Okay. But you've also got high blood pressure yes. can cause um, atherosclerosis. Again, you covered these really: smoking, diabetes, obesity, lack of physical activity, and eating saturated fats. All of these things, I think. Uh, are relatively well known to be um, indicators that uh, are, are bad for you yes. uh, in terms of development of uh, arteriosclerosis, atherosclerosis. Uh, diabetes is actually known as a, a, an arteriosclerotic accelerator. That's a mouthful for you. I was going to say, I'm glad you said that instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it, effectively, it speeds up the hardening of the arteries. Okay, in its own yeah. right. Diabetes is one for another day. Um, 
And I mentioned all of those factors. Um, we will get onto it a little bit later, but when we uh, look at what underwriters take into account in terms of levels of cholesterol, yeah. life isn't as simple as that anymore, I'm afraid. Um, there are calculators that underwriters use and they take a vast array of factors in before they rate for what could be seen as cholesterol. Yes. But let's, let's come on to that a little bit later. Um, so why, why are we, uh, why as underwriters are we interested? Because it is a major risk factor in the development of atherosclerosis, which by definition, we've just said, can lead to heart attack, stroke and vascular dementia, circulatory diseases uh, all across the body. So very important yeah. for us. And that's why we are interested uh, in it. Does yeah. that help answer that particular question? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what it comes down to as well is, you know, we're talking about, as with anything, insurers work off statistics, don't they? So, you know, there's yeah. there's decades worth of statistics about, especially things like high cholesterol and potential links to all of these areas. So when the insurer is looking at this, this person who already, you know, if, if we're talking about someone who already has high cholesterol because that's the reason that we're, we're doing the podcast. So... There's then going to be, it's not just going to be sort of along the lines of, oh, you know, what's what's the likelihood of potentially developing a heart attack? It's also, is this person going to be able to reverse this in some ways? You know, you know, there'll be there'll there'll even be those factors in the background, won't they? To sort of say, you know, what is the likelihood, what is the percentage of people over time that are able to reverse things like high cholesterol versus the people who actually it develops and or potentially people where it just stays quite stable. Um when it comes to actual like the readings of cholesterol, so in, in my mind, um, now whether or not this is right or not, from an insurance point of view, and I'm saying it broadly, so anybody listening, oh, just please, far away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just broadly, we are talking life insurance, critical illness, cover income protection. So broadly, I tend to go by the, obviously I would always do pre-sales research, but in my mind, I tend to think cholesterol lower than five a reading of five is generally okay. And five to six, we're starting to get a little bit of a, maybe wanting to look at that a little bit more. And then over six will be seen as high. Is, is that kind of like a, a correct, sort of like very basic kind of look at sort of like thinking of those numbers? If someone were to come to me from my initial mindset before I start doing my research. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that, um, what underwriters tend to look at and it's whether the client uh, the potential client uh, actually has the information to hand regarding um, their cholesterol reading but really if you look at the calculators you're looking at total cholesterol yes um which you've alluded to it already but just for for the sake of this podcast is is uh, your hdl high density lipoprotein and your LDL, low-density lipoprotein, added together with the 20% reading of your triglycerides. Yes. So total cholesterol is, um, is what is, is, is the important reading yes. as opposed to cholesterol. Yes. Okay. So, so yes, you're, I mean, th- th- those readings would be right. Um, within those readings, as, again, you've alluded to already, um, Underwriters would be looking at uh, the two um, subfractions of lipoprotein, which mm. you mentioned already: HDL and non-HDL. Now, non-HDL is 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 another way of putting LDL. Okay. okay. Um, so, 
again, you've, you said less than five for total cholesterol. You'd yeah. be looking at HDL, so that's the good cholesterol that helps yeah. take away the LDL. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> is, it'd be good to have a positive reading would be over one. Yeah. LDL, uh, or non-HDL, as it's called as well, uh, a reading of less than four. And tri- triglycerides, a reading of less than 1.7. Right. Okay. So those those are the kind of the, 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 the ranges that you would look at in terms of being good. And yeah. um, a, 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 a higher HDL, counterintuitively maybe, is um, good for you because yes. that's the good cholesterol. A raised LDL is not good for you because that's the bad cholesterol. I hope, yeah. that, I hope that makes sense there. Um, um, so again, underwriters would would uh, try to gather information around the HDL or uh, LDL. Now, these calculators that, um, that, that are around in the underwriting um, insurance manuals, hmm. these are different depending on the manual that is used. Okay. So it is always worth, if you have a client with raised cholesterol, uh, trying a couple of insurers because you will, with exactly the same readings, you will get different um, results. Okay. Okay. Um, I think what's quite interesting as well, if I just cut in there, it's like, I know know we're talking about like the LDL, the HDL and everything, but I think for quite a lot of people and especially a lot of advisors, there's a lot of systems now where we can just put things what we class as straight through applications. So, you know, we can have it where we can just put in like what's the most recent cholesterol reading where it's 3.4 and it can potentially be underwritten online and just sorted there and then. So so we are mentioning the HDL, the LDL triglycerides, but I imagine that that generally is more going to come into play if something like a GP report or a nurse's screen is done. Yes, ab- 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 absolutely. I mean, unless somebody, a client actually knows these readings yes. and, 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 and understands, if you like, and have them in, the, in their thinking, in the front of their mind, HDL and LDL and triglycerides, then you're likely just to get that one reading. And absolutely. I mean, 3.4 is very, very good, as, as we've alluded to. And yeah, there is no reason for an underwriter to see that whatsoever. Um when you get higher levels, then depending on the underwriting rules that are within that uh, particular insurance engine, underwriting engine, mm. then you may get referred to underwriting or automatic GPR, something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it, 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 you know, it's an in, it's an interesting fact, at least for me, I suppose, that you can go to different uh, insurers who have different reinsurance underwriting manuals and this the system will can generate different answers depending on what information you give it around hdl right in particular some some insurers um uh, calculators will credit a good hdl and right. to me i would hope that's fairly logical because that's the good cholesterol mm. some others don't so again, it's it's uh, it's it, that's just literally a functionality of the of, of the system, if you want, right. um, as opposed to a an underwriter actually making that judgment. It's the rule, the automatic underwriting rule that's built into that calculator, 
Um, knowing which one will give you the credit for a good HDL, of course, is 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 one for you and your colleagues. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think in general, and I suppose with high cholesterol, it's, I know it is there, but I sometimes see that as quite like a, almost like a bit of a side thing to something like another condition, like we were saying, like diabetes, um, or potentially, you know, you get high blood sugar and high cholesterol together. And I'm not saying that to sort of say that we wouldn't, um, you know, I'm not saying that high cholesterol isn't a condition in itself. It's just it's often combined with other things. And I think a lot of the time, it's that combination with other things that tends to be what can sometimes need that really extra bit of research. I mean, no matter what, we still have to research the high cholesterol. Um, but I do think, you know, it's, it's often something else that's linked that tends to be, um, sorry, what would be considered probably more like the higher risk aspect of things. And that leads us on to um, what I find really interesting in it's known again. So I'm going to going to make sure I try and say this in one go without failing. Um, but familial <laughs> hypercholesterolemia. I did it. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I do that on my training course and I'm always just like, well, just bear with me, everybody. Just want a second to prepare for this. Um, and then I go into like a, a phrase of like saying it like five times in a row because I'm just so proud of myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if we have that, now that is something that can really change the dynamic of what we can maybe get in terms of underwriting. So can you take us through when it is more of like the genetic aspect of it, please? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, as, as um, we can um, make an educated guess with the, with the term familial, um, it is an inherited condition um, where cholesterol can be extremely high. And certainly I've seen cholesterol readings of uh, up around 15, okay. 14, 15, if, if not higher teens uh, in my time as an underwriter. I have to say that's usually an historic reading, not one that comes out from a, um, a test uh, that's done from the insurance exam or whatever. Um, but I think the important thing to say here is that uh, it can be treated. OK, um, you're always nearly always going to be on a statin. Uh, which helps um, reduce the cholesterol. Um, and obviously you need to, need to pay special attention to your diet as well with, with familial. So I think somebody with familial hypercholesterolemia looking for life insurance and the condition has been adequately treated and the needings of mm. coming down to normal or near as normal, um, then you should be able to get life insurance. Uh, critical illness, I think it's going to be a bit of an individual consideration if I can use that wonderful uh, analytical yes. term, very much dependent on the case as a whole, in other words, yes. um, and income protection that way as well, I, 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 I think. Now, we've, we've talked about the fact that it's an inherited condition and quite what does that mean, really? Well, it's, it's actually caused by, um, I think the common term is a gene alteration uh, which is passed down by one or both parents, which means that the uh, child, a child, would have a 50-50 chance of, of um, having that gene passed them and therefore getting familial or having familial hypercholesterolemia. When I say about gene alteration, I think for me, it was more common expression would be gene mutation. Okay. Um, but what in the same, let's say, for the sake of argument. And, and what it does, it the, the change in the genes actually prevents the body from, from ridding itself 
um, of LDL. So that's right. just to the back, that's that's uh, bad cholesterol. Yeah. Um, and if, if the uh, our listeners don't know, really, cholesterol is actually produced in the liver. I'll, I'll, mm. I will talk about that in a minute. But obviously, if your body cannot rid itself of LDL in particular, then you are going to get the filling up of the arteries at some stage or another that, that we spoke about earlier, and therefore having the risk of heart attack, stroke and, and dementia. So can these levels... A, can I potentially do a quick segue here? Just something's popped into my mind, and I'm yeah, sure they, I think away. the answer's no. But it's just with you saying there about how the, this genetic, you know, basically the genetic aspect of it has changed the body to not be able to remove the yeah. fatty substance. So could it then technically, or not technically, but is it potentially considered a bit like, um, I want to say like a bit like an autoimmune condition. So just in my mind, I'm thinking type 1 diabetes, their body is genetically changed so that their pancreas doesn't develop yeah. insulin. So with, yeah. with familial hypercholesterolemia, is it? Is it an autoimmune condition or is it not classified as that? Am I just making links where there aren't links? I do not think it's an autoimmune condition, no. It's not, um, I believe, a condition where the body starts to attack itself. Of course, yeah, no, that's it, yeah. I would yeah, say... I had a moment. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's, I think it's important that th these things are raised, absolutely, mm. 100%. So I, I believe it's not an autoimmune Okay. Um, this, this is genetic link, which uh, is kind of fascinating for me, um, really. It's one of the reasons why I love underwriting so much. But uh, I've just mentioned the cholesterol is generated in the liver and it's, it's carried carried around um, in the in the bloodstream. If you think about it as a golf, like a little, it's like a, if I, it's a cell. OK, but if I think of a little golf ball, the, the centre is your fat and the protein is the is the outer coating of the golf ball. So those float around in the liver um, and uh, cholesterol, is, you know, we talk about it as a bad thing. Raised cholesterol, of course, is a bad thing. Having cholesterol is incredibly important to the function of the body. <laughs> I, yeah. I think I need to get that one over. And it's a yeah. key component in, in um, cell structure. Um, the outer, if I can call it, layer of a cell. Uh, cholesterol is very, very important in, in creating or uh, maintaining the shape of the cell. So it is it is a very valuable part of um, human metabolism without any shadow of a doubt. So just just moving on there. So the liver um, has these little things uh, called receptors, LDL receptors that lie on the surface of the liver and um, they take LDL out of the bloodstream as okay. blood passes through the liver okay now what happens there with familial is that there are not it, it the body does not make enough ldl receptors to take the ldl out of the body okay okay that's i believe the most the more the most common gene defect if you want um or mutation now there's something else called and i Again, Catherine, we're going to ask you next next time we talk to pronounce this one. Okay. Um, but the APOB gene, which is an apolipoprotein, that's not too bad, is it, really? Apolipoprotein. Yeah, that's that's not too hey. bad. <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> Just a say it straight away, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. A a apolipoprotein B, um, where uh, 
the, the LDL receptors can't actually bind onto the onto the LDL itself. Okay. So you've got you've got the LDL receptors and not not enough of them. This is where the binding property of the LDL receptor is is um, uh, is hindered in doing its job. Yeah. And then there's this last one, which I'm not going to pro- try and pro- um, uh, to pronounce, but I will, okay. I, will, I will say it is the PCSK9, which is an enzyme. Okay, um, we'll just go with the acronym. Yeah, that's good. Now, this is where, do you know, absolutely, I think it's best on this one. Now, this is, this is where your autoimmune point could actually maybe come into play. Ooh. Those of you saying, no, it wasn't. Um, now, I have to say, I'm reading my notes a little bit on this particular one, but it is, that's where your LDL receptors are broken down by the liver. So it is attacking okay. itself. So maybe there's an autoimmune component in there somewhere along the line. I would, I'll have to leave that to the, um, the the highly technical people to to let us know about that. Absolutely. But so, so your um your, your genes and what a surprise to us all I think play a vital part here and those defects as I say can in fact uh, can impact the the LDL receptors in one way or another. There's not enough of them. They can stop the binding of the receptor against the, the free flowing LDL and. Yeah. The third one is where the liver actually starts to break down the LDL receptors themselves, so you won't have any at all. But that's rare. That that last one is pretty rare, to say the least. Um, so so that that's that's the kind of the the, the technical wherewithal about um, familial hypercholesterolemia. Um, I think the good thing is here, and I know when I was again, I've, I've mentioned I'm going to mention it again, much younger than I am today in terms of my uh, underwriting career, then this was seen as a, a very very bad sign in terms of mortality and morbidity. I think okay. in terms of uh, pure life insurance, medicine has evolved to, to an extent where certainly uh, people who have this condition, uh, they, they should, and it's controlled, let's get that, that right. Yes. There are no signs of some of the complications that can arise that we've, you know, we've spoken about in terms of the atherosclerosis, and these people can be insured. Which I think is absolutely great. Which is absolutely great news. Does absolutely. does that? Do, do you think um, that gives paints the picture of familial hypercholesterolemia for you? Does yeah. That, no, oh. I think it does. Yeah. It's. I mean, sorry. Very taking it back down to basics. It's. Um, you know, obviously, you know, brilliant to have all that technical information because it is oh, really useful. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm just sorry thinking if we go back to basics, though, familial hypercholesterolemia as an advisor that stands out to me to say, right, this means that we might have a different outcome to what I was expecting in terms of if it was in a sense, I want to say just, but I want to put like little bunny ears around yes. just to say just high cholesterol, because Absolutely. then there is more of a genetic predisposition to it, could be harder to actually change, obviously, very, very much harder to change lifestyle factors um, yeah. to be able to counteract it. And again, then means that we probably have had um, a stronger likelihood of family medical history in terms of um, heart attacks, um, strokes, diabetes. And the diabetes doesn't always come up in the question set with insurers, yeah. but certainly the um, the heart attack and the stroke side of things. I always think something that's interests me on this, and I think it's the, you know, we do get this said to us at times as well. And there's certainly that there's not a there's not a right or wrong answer to this, I don't think. It, it is just the way that it is, but it's it can be quite difficult, can't it? Because with some people, they're really on top of 
being on top of the health and going and maybe getting like the blood pressure, the cholesterol check, things like that. So I want to make sure they're okay. And then they might find out that they've got a bit of high cholesterol, which is brilliant to find out so they can counteract it. But then it means that we can sometimes then have an influence on the insurances. And then you might have someone else who isn't wanting to, isn't bothered about yeah. doing these tests, isn't taking care, not necessarily they're not taking care of the health, but you know they're not as engaged with wanting to keep an eye on these things. They could have high cholesterol far greater than the, the other person, but just be able to get the application and go forward and it, it wouldn't even it wouldn't influence the, the politics. They're just completely unawares. And, and I know that that goes the same for so many different health conditions. And I I certainly aren't saying anything that that it's wrong or anything the way that it works, because, you know, ultimately insurers have to go by the information that's there. The underwriters must go by the information that's there. And, and there's no way of counteracting that unless everybody suddenly starts having to have medicals all the time. Um, yeah. And actually very very, uh, I'm going to my little bit of a, a nerd side of me. I'm thinking of a Stargate episode. There was a Stargate episode where everyone had like little implants in them and it constantly monitored the health and everything. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that'd be a good or bad thing insurance wise, actually. <laughs> you know, whether or not that's, uh, it could be really good for some and not so good for others. But uh, no, anyway, a little bit of a segue and just, um, but no, I think, you know, for, for people, you know, they might start, I think, oh, you know, sort of like, should I be getting this checked or not? And I think ultimately, no matter what, insurances are important but ultimately health must come first with anything so because again we do have it sometimes where people say well I was thinking of getting this checked out but I'm not until after I've had my insurance and the thing is that as soon as that query is there then it is something you're thinking about so really you should probably get it checked um and you know don't mess about with getting the test you know for your health or anything like that you know you need to make sure that you're you're as um, that you know exactly what's going on with everything Absolutely. I, I think as well here, um, if you have a raised cholesterol to the level that, that um, uh, would, would worry an underwriter, if, mm. if I can use that term, um, then it is far easier just to get it sorted out. And yes. statins are amazing drugs. They yes. really, really are. I know there's some side effects on some people, a few people. Mm. But they're amazing drugs. And then if there's a, if you have a concern about the insurance, then just go go back to your insurer three months or whatever after yeah. you've got it sorted out and you are very likely to get standard rates. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I, I completely and utterly agree with you. Sometimes um, it can be a little strange, I think, that people who do look after themselves can pick up a rating. Um, not necessarily for cholesterol, because they look after themselves and it's no. treated and goes back to normal, yeah. then you're going to get standard rates. Uh, but there, you know, there are many other diseases i suppose i could uh, come to mind um but yeah absolutely. you're absolutely right you have to look at your own um situation um far far better to 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 get the issue whatever it is sorted out I suppose the thing is as well is if you've if you've got the high cholesterol as you say high cholesterol to a point where an underwriter will be worried then it's probably that you are quite a risk for heart attack and stroke so yes just get the test done get yourself sorted you know start taking steps to try and reduce it because ultimately you know whether or not the insurance is there or not it, it's your health at the end of the day Absolutely. I mean, you know you, you've got high blood pressure as well as another classic yeah. example um, of, of the same type of thing once your blood pressure is controlled you know you might you might go along to your surgery 180 over 100 or something like that mm. and insurers will think oh how are we going to deal with this but if you get it sorted out you'll get standard rates yeah, 
I was going to say, so quickly before I start going into sort of potential terms and everything, because I'm, I'm picking up on you saying about the standard rates. Um, so something that I do, so I just did some of my training this morning and part of it was about heart attacks and things. And um, what I, the things I say to advisors is if you hear statin and you're not hearing anything about that there's been a heart attack or a stroke or that there's high cholesterol, do some digging, you know, because whilst people sort of like say, oh, the doctors just throw out statins at people, Yes and no, you know, if you know, it needs to be a reason for doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. certainly if I hear anything that has statin at the end, because there's lots of different names, so atorvastatin's oh. one, simvastatin, yeah. lots of different ones. Um, as soon as you hear statin, there's something going on cholesterol yeah. or heart-wise. So just do some digging because if not, you're not getting the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next thing, sorry, again, towards the end of the podcast was to ask you about what would you expect in terms of the differences? So let's say well-controlled um, cholesterol, let's say high cholesterol, because I don't think either of us can probably make good um, suggestions about what might be possible if someone does have um, unstable cholesterol, very, very high figures, because ultimately we could be talking percentage ratings right up to um, declines, depending upon the situation. But yeah, let's yeah. say somebody who's got high cholesterol is in a good range now. Yes, they're on medication, but there's been no there's been no changes for a good few months or anything. So, so what would you be expecting on the life insurance, the critical illness, and the income protection side of things? In in terms of um, what kind of terms would you generally be expecting? And I do appreciate, and just to be very clear to everyone, we're talking just about high cholesterol nothing else whatsoever in terms of a risk factor or anything so purely from the high cholesterol side of things okay you i mean certainly life um with the factors or the lack of factors which you've just mentioned pure life insurance um most cases come out at standard rates yeah um, for critical illness i think it, i'm going to have to caveat slightly down to potentially the age of the individual here. Yes. Um, if you, and the challenge an underwriter has is that, let's say in a 50 year old, how long have they actually had high cholesterol? Yeah. Okay, and the longer that your cholesterol is high and it is not treated, the greater risk of arteriosclerosis and complications thereof yeah. come into play, okay? If you've got a high cholesterol and forget familial, high cholesterol mm. for a minute, if you're a young person, let's say in their 30s, um, then obviously, the, well, I say obviously, it's likely that your high cholesterol hasn't been at a level which would start causing you problems later on. Yeah. So for, for, um, for critical illness, it's a little bit dare I say I'll use that expression again I've already said is individual consideration yeah but I would say depending on how high is high and how good your, your blood pressure is you're a non-smoker your height and weight are all okay I don't see why you shouldn't get standard two okay and for IP I'll throw that one in okay that's really really good to does, know does, does that yeah. fit in your own experience by the way no I don't mean I you think... personally Catherine. I meant your, your clients 
I was going to say, my cholesterol is annoyingly good. I have to say, me and Helen have had many health MOTs. We always have a competition as to who's got the best cholesterol. Oh um, I've, I've had quite a few times it's said to me, I've never seen someone with such a low cholesterol. And I do wear that as a bit of a badge of pride, <laughs> pride okay. actually. Which is Catherine, do you remember that having some cholesterol is very good for you? I know, I know, I know. Well, don't they told go, me it was good. <laughs> don't go too low, please. No, I know. Um, the um, so I think it's, it's quite difficult because, yes, you know, I think there is potential for standards. I think so one of the things as many people who listen to this know is you know a lot of the time when we're speaking to people they do tend to be people who've got um quite a few health complications Um, so we would usually be seeing for high cholesterol we would usually see at um cure that there's been some kind of complication with the heart or stroke or diabetes so it does influence it a lot more in terms of getting it away from standard terms on the personal side of things and I just suddenly thought of another thing that I should really make advisors aware of and just prepare them for so just in case I have had it quite a few times where I've been saying to people, do you have any medication, any health conditions at all? And I always think it's really important to make sure that you also, when I'm, when I'm doing my pre-sales research, um, to also just double check like any, then if they say no, but check any medications or any appointments coming up or anything, because I have had it before where people have said to me, I've got this for blood pressure. And I'll say, oh, so you have high blood pressure and they go, or high cholesterol and I'll say, no, I don't. It's normal levels. And so they don't actually, it's been quite, it's happened more times yeah. than that, but people oh, actually don't realise, and they don't realise to say, I have high cholesterol, but it's medicated and I'm now at normal levels. They just go, no, my cholesterol's fine. I've not got any issues there. Because to them, yeah. the reading is now within a normal level. Yeah, to- totally agree with that with that statement. Um, that, that's a, that, I think getting to the bottom of it lies with the skill and experience of the advisor. And this is, I believe, exactly what you're talking about there. There's little, yeah. little red flag is possibly overstating it, but yeah, I feel um, it's, a, it's a little tidbits to give to other advisors. Yeah, when absolutely. you're doing your fact find, just make sure you've got a question in there that says, just double checking because the last thing you want to do as an advisor, I know it's asking more stuff at the start. But the last thing you want to do is to do everything, build up your recommendation, put all your effort in, yeah. and you'll have done a really good job because I know I know advisors do. And yeah. then you get to the app and then something comes up and you have to immediately stop and pause and redo all your research, redo your recommendation, or you're just going to do a stab in the dark and just go, look, well, I might as well just submit it through anyway and just see what happens, which that's not a good scenario to be in. No, no, I totally agree. I have a client for us to potentially have a have a look at. <clears throat> so for this person, so it's just a bit of a case study for everybody. So um, speaking to somebody, they were mid-20s, non-smoker, BMI was fine. Um, generally, everything was fine, um, but they did have a history of familial hypercholesterolemia. Uh, see, I managed to do it again. I managed to say it right. And for this person, um, for this person, they were on uh, medication for cholesterol and the cholesterol was under five. Now, from what I believe, because um, this wasn't my client, you know, everybody that I speak about in these case studies on the podcast aren't mine, but they are somebody from Cura. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think they necessarily had had high cholesterol, but I think it was more of like a preventative um, sort of like situation. So I'm, I'm not completely sure on that, but that was my inkling from when I spoke to the advisor. Um, so uh, in terms of the options, so we did, we were able to do life and critical illness cover, decreasing 187,000 over 35 years for around £31 per month. 
Um, which is good because obviously we're saying that there can be issues with getting critical illness cover at times. So really good that we had that one there. Absolutely. And then in terms of the income protection, roughly £1,200 per month. There was a three-month deferred period. It was full claim um, to the anticipated retirement age. And the premium for that was a little less than £12 per month. So I think, you know, in terms of like income protection as well, just as a lot of people talk about how expensive it is, and, and lots of the time it is more expensive than life insurance on its own. Um, but there, you know, we've got just a little less than £12 per month. That's guaranteed premium locked in now, right up until the anticipated retirement age. And um, and I think that's pretty good, um, yeah. especially as well with the history as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so so yeah so just some nice examples hopefully there for people to sort of like give that inkling to just sort of say as always just because there's maybe medical history there for the person for the family doesn't always mean we're going to end up with silly premiums or exclusions here there and everywhere and it's always worth treating everybody as you say Matt individual consideration advisors exactly the same every person you speak to reset yourself and go back to thinking right this is someone brand new. Every single person is a complete different mix of situations and um, and different outcomes could happen at the pre-sale. Yeah, so, I, I to, to, totally agree with you, particularly with things like cholesterol. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Um, you, you've, you've yeah, nailed it on the head, so to speak. Thank you. Well, thank you, for obviously, for joining me, Matt. Thank you for everybody for listening to Matt's insights. Next time, we're going to be back with Ruth Gilbert, and she is going to be talking to us about the importance of trusts and her work in developing the payout planners uh, with insurers. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please drop me a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk. And don't forget, if you've listened to this as part of your work, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too, thanks to our sponsors, the Octo members. Thank you again, Matt, and speak to you soon. My pleasure. You too. Take care.